Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio's Talking Africa program. Talking Africa provides in-depth interviews with experts and other actors in the field of peace and security in Africa. Hello and welcome to uh, Talking Africa. My name is Desmond Davis. My guest today is Comfort Lamptey, Regional Advice in Governance, Peace and Security for West and Central Africa, UN Women. Uh, Comfort, uh, what's the current state of uh, women in the peace and security architecture in uh, the region you cover, West and Central Africa? Yeah, thank you very much, um, Desmond. I I would say that... um, Currently, um, women women's rights generally are, are under threat because we have uh, a series of uh, new challenges, new security challenges um, that have emerged in recent years. I would say that in the last uh, ten to twenty years, um, women's activism and and uh, efforts to promote peace and security uh, were very much focused on what we. Uh, saw as traditional conflicts, um, yeah, interstate conflicts or intra-state conflicts. But uh, increasingly, as we know, um, new threats through violent extremism, um, threats uh, through trafficking in drugs, um, people, arms. These are security threats which... Um, I would say the constituency of women that has traditionally advocated for peace and security uh, have yet to um, engage with uh, in, 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 in a way, in, in the same way in which they were advocating for peace and supporting efforts in Sierra Leone, Liberia, um, Cote d'Ivoire, and the likes before. So I think there is a, there's a particular um, uh, need for women to retune their strategies for dealing with peace and security in order to be able to address these new threats Um, and at the same time for governments and and the international community more generally to um, also address some of the protection risks that face women in in this current context. Yes, well, well, whose fault is it that uh, women's rights have been eroded? Is it because of the way Society itself has always been uh, operating in terms of uh, putting women down as second-class citizens. I mean, are we getting back to that stage? Well, I I think that um, you know the fight for women's rights is 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 uh, is an ongoing struggle. I think that we have a system called patriarchy, which um, at the at the heart of it is what continues to undermine women's rights. And I think that until we can dismantle uh, the patriarchal system, 
which is a system that is based on uh, discrimination that is, is rooted in cultural and, 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 and structural uh, institutional uh, uh, settings in, in, in not just in Africa, uh, globally, uh, we will continue to face this, this uh, uh, issue. We've made progress uh, for sure. Uh, we've come a long way, and I think at the normative level, we have everything in place to protect women's rights. And our governments uh, are clear and have made pronouncements on their commitment to promoting um, women's rights and gender equality. That's in pay- on paper. So in policy terms, we have everything in place. But at the practical level, uh, in terms of attitudes, uh, changing attitudes, changing mindsets, um, and changing practices, we have a long way to go. And and part of that change comes from men, but sometimes also from women themselves. So I think it's a system that has has uh, shaped our, our our view of of of, of uh, relating to each other that we all have to work to change. And I think that during conflicts, um, we see um, we see an extreme manifestation. Of, of these uh, threats to women's rights, which ha- exist all along, but it's just that it becomes more intensified during conflict times. Yes, it became more acute in Nigeria when the Chibok girls were uh, kidnapped by the Boko Haram uh, fighters. But then, of course, even there, there was a problem. I mean, the, the, the wife of the former president was not too happy that women were demonstrated for, for, for these girls to be, to be released. So, I mean... Don't you also see certain women within society obstructing the rise of uh, uh, women generally? Well, you know, I mean, uh, uh, those there may have been some uh, political uh, uh, factors that may have influenced a, partic- a particular position. But yes, I mean, women, um, women like men, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as I as as I, I said before are conditioned by this system. And so sometimes um, we we assume that perhaps because somebody is a woman, they're necessarily going to promote uh, uh, women's rights and gender equality uh, over the, that of men. And generally, it is true because you cannot... It is a lived experience, and I think you have to be a woman to experience um, the discrimination, gender-based discrimination that we have to live. You have to be a woman to understand and, and live all the challenges that uh, that, that basically uh, undermine our ability to, to, to um, enjoy our full rights. But at the same time, um, there are men, and, and this is why um, I work for, for UN Women. We have launched a campaign which is uh, called He for She, where we are really working with men as well um, to show their commitment to, to women's rights. I think there are, there are men who, who, who are as committed. They are male feminists. And, and I think the, the process of changing people's mindsets is one which both men and women have to um, deal with. And so in that respect, I think um, sometimes you, you will come across some women who... But, but, but then again, we have to be, be careful not to put... Too much emphasis on that because, uh, you know, we see a lot in the media that uh, uh, and, and generally when there is a, a woman who actually goes off track, so to speak, in terms of um, not championing women's rights, we 
tend to say, well, see, there you go again. Women cannot um, uh, speak with one voice. or And, and I, I, I don't think that's fair. I think, I think generally um, many, many women, I, I've never come across and I've worked uh, with women across the spectrum um, any woman who doesn't believe in e- equal rights, <laughs> you know, or any woman who doesn't believe that she should be treated with dignity and, and, and be able to enjoy the same rights as men. Yeah, because that's one thing. No matter what uh, people said about President Jammer, he did empower women, and he, he, he faced a lot of opposition from a patriarchal society. What was your experience about uh, Gambia and uh, the role of women in that society? Um, well, I, 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 I believe that Gambia, like, um, you know, most West African countries, and, and, and therein lies the, the, the issue, you, you attributed the opportunities that women enjoyed to a president, President Jame. And um, in, indeed, well, that seems... His, his, that go- his government. His government. Yes. But th- indeed, that seems to be the pattern that um, certainly in, in, in Western uh, Africa, where, where I'm working currently, when you look at uh, the, the, the um, participation of women in, in, in the political processes, it's actually um, quite low. We have a, a, a standard set by the African Union of 50-50, and yet when you look at um, what pertains, um, I think in Western Central Africa, we have on average 14% women as elected officials. You get more women where a president decides, I'm going to appoint women to power. So yes, um, a former president, Jamit, appointed more women. Um, you take a country like Senegal, which actually stands out in the region because Senegal currently has uh, about 43% women mm-hmm. in, in, uh, elected in the legislature. And why is that? Because the, the, the president um, actually passed a parity law, and that law um, basically compels political parties to nominate women. Those are... The, the exceptions, but when you look generally um, across uh, West Africa in particular, you know, the level of representation of women is very low. In Nigeria, it's 5.6% of women in the legislature. It's, it's so that uh, as far as I'm concerned, we, we, we need to use some other means, <laughs> maybe affirmative action, uh, to be able to break the impasse because uh, Unless we see um, governments or presidents out of their goodwill, quote-unquote, decide to nominate women or pass laws for women, generally, um, if we're going to wait for, for, for uh, equal representation, as the AU calls for, it's going to take us many, many decades. But don't, you think, <clears throat> don't you think in some cases that women do not want to get involved in the rough and tumble and the hectic and violent nature of uh, politics in uh, the region. There is, there is, uh, uh, there is a sense in which some women uh, shy away from the nature of politics as as is played out in the region because, as you said, it tends to be very rough. Um, but I think that some of the factors which um, inhibit women. Um, it's not just the nature of politics, it's also that increasingly we are seeing that women are being targeted uh, for violence, 
women who attempt to go into politics and um, they're either being uh, actively dissuaded or when they, by family members, some get husbands threatened to divorce them or they're being um, actually hounded by politics politicians and 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 people who 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 met out violence on them because they don't believe again that women should be playing um this public role so those factors tend to to perhaps hold women back and of course in our region there's the problem of the monetization of politics and Mm -hmm. oftentimes women um again, because of the system of, of discrimination and, and the lack of opportunities, tend to be poorer than their male counterparts. And so whilst the men are busy buying votes or buying uh, influence, sometimes women are not in a position to, to, to exert this, the, you know, uh, uh, have resources to use in the same way. And so those are some of the factors that uh, may sometimes uh, hold women back. But generally, I think that we have... Uh, many women also who believe that um, they would like to join the political system, who have something to contribute. And I think our political systems will be much stronger and more effective indeed if we, if it is more reflective of our, the societies or, or, or the, the profile of people who live in our societies. And so I think putting women in politics or supporting women to participate is, is, is actually an important investment to make sure that our democracy works well and that we, it responds to the needs of uh, all sectors of society. You are listening to Talking Africa on the ALC Pan-African Radio. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Talking Africa. My guest today is Comfort Lamti, Regional Advisor on Governance, Peace and Security for West and Central Africa for UN Women. But in, in Sierra Leone and Liberia during the, uh, the, uh, the conflicts there, women played a major role in bringing peace to these two countries. Why haven't they built on that, really? Well, I, I think that's a very uh, important question, and, and it is one that... Uh, personally, I've also uh, reflected on uh, because I know uh, very much um, in the 1990s the role that women in, in both Sierra Leone and Liberia played, uh, standing up to, to the war in factions and, and really basically holding uh, the communities together as well at, at, at a point. I think that um, one of, if I take the case of Liberia, and, and of course we all know that women also played a very strong part in in getting a female president the first female president elected to 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 Africa in Liberia um, part of uh, and, and I think this 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 deserves uh, further study because uh, the question of what happens to women's movements and women's mobilizing after conflict um, the 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 uniting factor for most of these women was the demand for peace. And so you saw women across the um, uh, economic, uh, sociocultural, uh, back different backgrounds, all united in a quest for peace. Now, once the peace was attained, first of all, not only were they not uh, included in the negotiations process, but once the peace was attained, you felt that, um, to some extent, that the momentum was lost. Perhaps there was fatigue, 
perhaps there was um, a return to their different, um, uh, um, let's say, affiliations within society. Um, and perhaps there was not sufficient injection of resources, financial resources, to sustain the work of women's organizations. But uh, in both countries, we've seen that the, the, the women's constituencies have not been as focal and, and strong in influencing the post-conflict peace-building agenda as they were in the advocacy for, for peace. And I think um, providing resources to women's organizations to, to be able to sustain the work they do during conflict is an important um, uh, investment that we need to look at going forward. But also working um, on a common agenda, supporting them to have a common agenda for a post-conflict peace-building um, process is, is also something which probably needs to be done. Yes, that indeed might not um, encourage young girls to go into a politics or leadership role if these things are not maintained, if there are no role models for them to uh, uh, follow. Well, the... You see, I, I, I see it a little differently as well. Th that's true in the sense that they have to have role models. Those role models exist because those women, many of them are still the ones driving what was a movement that existed to bring about peace. But now that peace has, been, uh, has arrived, have not been able to um, reorganize themselves to deal with the new reality. But at the same time, also... Um, they the, they haven't been able to bring as many young women on board. The the whole issue of intergenerational um, uh, uh, knowledge sharing and learning. How do because I've just come back from Liberia and Sierra Leone, and I must say I met the same women at the forefront of the peace movement 20 years ago, still in the organizations that uh, uh, are peace building related organizations. What is happening to the younger women? Why, 20 years later, have they not been able to mentor younger women into these roles? So there is also uh, an inner reflection uh, that, that women uh, leading peace movements have to make about when they um, step aside, so to speak, and, or, or mentor younger women into some of these leadership positions. What I saw were the same... Uh, actors who were leading that movement 20 years ago. And, and I think that's a little bit of, uh, of, a, of, of an unfortunate situation because these young women um, are not the ones driving the Well, the, the way I see it is become a professional. They're now professional activists. They're just doing, going through the motions, not like 20 years ago, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think that the, 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 the women's constituencies generally... Uh, lose out uh, in in a situation like this. Uh, there's nothing wrong with continuing to pursue maybe a loose advocacy work in, in, in more structured professional institutions. But I think there's a responsibility also for making sure that new voices are brought in, younger uh, generations come on board to take over the fight because it's 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 a struggle that that continues and and discrimination and and uh, persists in 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 the new 
uh, setups and institutions that are, are have been and reform processes that have been launched in both countries in the post-war period. And unt- until and unless the newer generation of women can be part of the process of change that that we all want, I think we will all lose out. So I think that's uh, definitely uh, an issue uh, that needs to be addressed, the whole question of intergenerational um, uh, knowledge sharing and change. Given the role women have played in peace and security, on the opposite side, I'm sure some of them would align with uh, the insurgents and uh, people of such uh, inklings. What's your experience about that, women uh, in insurgency groups in the region? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just as um, when uh, 20 years ago women were uh, actively in combat roles, either fighting or playing support roles uh, uh, within the armed groups, in the current uh, uh, security challenges that we're seeing through violent extremism, we're seeing that women are also uh, willingly or being coerced. And that is the the, the thing. Women are are willingly, as are boys, I must say, but but, uh, some join willingly, but some are coerced, and they are part of the um, insurgency movements and, and and are also supporting, playing support roles for logistics and playing a, a variety of roles. So women's role in conflict is, 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 is very complex. It's it's not so black and white. You know, women want peace, men go to, no, women do play very complex roles during these processes. And, and I think um, that is also one of the reasons why we need to recognize that when we come to negotiating peace, we need to bring women to the table. As sadly, that is not still the the the, the case for the moment. Uh, Mrs. Johnson, certainly, if you're stepping down in Liberia this year, I mean, when she's gone, that's it. I mean, they won't. We don't know whether there will be another female president in Liberia. What do you see uh, in the region itself? I mean, do you see another woman? becoming a leader. I think we have lots of women who have potential to run our countries. If only they'll have the opportunities. Yes, I think um, I think in Liberia, you know, one of the the, 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 the the sad commentaries when I worked there some years ago that we used to hear from some of the male, uh, whether it was in jest or serious, but I, I think it was serious, was, you're not going to have another woman for another 100 years. You know, that's it. You've had your chance. And I think, you know, s- such utterances don't help. But I do think that even today in Liberia, there are women who could uh, step up to the presidency, should uh, President Sterling step aside, and 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 across the region, I I I I I've seen women in leadership positions who are in political parties or, or in other leadership positions who can step up to the job, and so I think the 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 we are grateful that we've had uh, a female president who has led. Um, her country, um, she's not perfect by any, uh, as none of the politicians we have in our region, but at least she's managed to steer that country out of a conflict uh, successfully to a position now where the country is, is, is ready to own the peace process and with the peacekeeping mission winding down and, and, and has 
turn is going to turn over a stable uh, country to 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 the next generation. And so I think um, that is an example of women's leadership, and and I think one worth definitely celebrating. Yes, your organization, you and women, how effective really has it been in the uh, Western Central Africa region in terms of uh, risen standards for women and getting them involved in peace and security issues and, and politics? Well, I think UN Women has uh, played a, a big role. You know, UN Women um, was established uh, about six years ago um, um, as as a, an opportunity to bring together the different arms of the UN that were dealing with women's rights and women's empowerment into one agency, and so. Prior to UN Women, there was an organization called UNIFEM, which was the operational arm. And so now we have both the, uh, the, the normative, the operational, and the coordination functions under one institution. UN Women has country um, offices in, in a, in, and presence in at least 11 countries of the region. Um, and our core uh, areas of work focus on r- supporting women in the political process or political participation of women through uh, providing uh, training to women, um, support to women who are elected and men who are elected on gender uh, issues. We also uh, look at the whole issue of women's economic empowerment because, of course, um, the economic empowerment of women uh, is the key to, in many respects, to their liberation uh, as well. So we have um, a lot of experience and uh, providing support to women and increasingly looking at women in agriculture. That's one of our flagship areas of focus now. And providing support to women uh, who have been affected by conflict in terms of protection support but also um, support to recognize women's leadership within their communities, whether it's women in displaced communities or women who are at the national level who, who need to, to be supported to participate in, in processes of nation building. So we've been providing a lot of support to women uh, and then, of course, addressing the whole issue of violence against women. Uh, so in, in all of these areas, we, we, we have a, a, a long track record. UN Women is, is an organization that's still growing, um, that still needs resources to, to be able to, uh, if you like, uh, reach its maximum uh, or, or have greater impact. And so that, that again, is an issue. Um, the, the, the resources of UN Women um, are insufficient to match its mandate <laughs> because our mandate is cross-cutting and we are looking at women's empowerment across different sectors and yet our resources... It, it, uh, it's women's empowerment throughout the world or just Africa? No, throughout the world. Yeah. So, I, you know, we have um, regional offices in Asia, in Latin America, in Europe, um, um, in the Arab states. So it's a global... Uh, in, in terms of women economic empowerment, the women's group in West Africa, especially Ghana, that's a really strong economically, and they control certain sectors of the uh, of the, uh, the economy. You're talking about market women, perhaps? Yeah, medium to middle mm-hmm. uh, uh, traders. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I think one of the realities also in in our region is the, that a lot of women are represented in the informal sector of the economy 
and uh, and yet the, their contribution uh, is immense. And 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 you know, it's immense not just at the level of uh, of the household, but also at the national level, because these women uh, pay taxes in the market. They send their children to school. I was. Um, privileged to have done a study that was a four-country study, to have coordinated a four-country study to look at the, specifically this issue of market women's contribution uh, uh, to national development in Ghana, Nigeria, Liberia, and Sierra Leone. And it is, it is incredible how much um, these, these women value uh, education and how many uh, of our leaders today have been educated on the backs of market women. So absolutely, the the, the contribution of women uh, is key, but there are a lot of uh, areas in which they also need to be supported in in their trade uh, so that they can be... You know, grow their, their their contribution to development, economic development, even more. No, that's fine. So you mean that really, if you can harness that strength, there will be a lot of improvement. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think that um, one of the, of course, um, many market women are only surviving. <laughs> there are those. Uh, uh, there are um, different levels. Uh, of status within that, ca- even just that category of work, but we need to be able to provide social protection for them, make sure that the environments are, uh, in which they work are, uh, are up to standard, and, and, and then support them financially to grow their businesses uh, as well. Okay. Comfort Lamti, Regional Advice on Government, Peace and Security for West Africa and Central Africa for UN Women. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Talking Africa and ALC Pan-African Radio. For these and other programs, please visit our website at alcpanafricanradio.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at African Leadership Center. For feedback on these and other programs, please send an email to info at africanradio.com. <laughs>